You know what, though? There's three. This all starts against, the podcast. It's three <laughs> against one. It's. I'm just telling you straight out of the bat. It's three against one. Bald, bald, bald hair. <laughs> well, the hair wins every time. Wait a minute. You all have facial hair, so that's not even a thing. It's all right. It's all right. We're all the same here. We're all. We're brothers. setting this. I love it. We're setting the stage, and this is all going to tie in together. I love it you know, that we're all kind of catching on. I was going to make reference to the bald thing. Mark Alexander Herber. Three brothers, one sister. <laughs> That's who. Oh my, we're gonna we'll come up with a name for our spin-off podcast soon. But welcome to the podcast, uh, Appetite for Distortion. It is Brando episode. I think it's episode one hundred and ninety-five. Yeah, because last time, nice, Mark, yeah, nice. Thank you, um, Mark and and Kristen Tully from both from Golden Robot Records were on the last episode that we did with on, on Zoom, hence the really engaging our physical attributes here. Otherwise, we'd just be on the phone, and now it would just be weird. We're just guessing what we're wearing or, or what we're looking <laughs> Or not. Well, before I go off on some weird tangent, uh, as usual. Uh, so Mark and Kristen are back here from Golden Robot, and they brought back another Golden Robot uh, roster. Um, I was going to say roster mate, but that doesn't make sense. Roster Legend. Artist, sure. That probably would be the, the human word. Uh, because we've had on Hookers and Blow with Dizzy Reed, Alex Rossi. They've talked about, of course, you know, their, their other projects in addition to Hookers and Blow. But uh, I'm always excited to hear from Alex. And he put me in touch with Mark. And since then, we've had, uh, even before that, actually, Hillbilly Herald, who's on yes. uh, Golden Robot. Uh, we've had, uh, well, Richard Fortas, which we're going to talk about. Uh, he's featured on, I guess, one Robot. of the songs that are that's on Golden Robots. Yeah, so that's that, that was that's what my where my my brain went. Gilby, yeah, it was Gilby, and there there's uh there's more. Who else? Uh, am I missing? Silverthorn, Silver Silverthorn, Brian. Tishy. Yes, yes, yeah, I had yeah. uh Brian Brian Tishi who filled yeah. in. For, <laughs> he was uh so funny. He's like, I filled in for Velvet Revolver once. Why do you want to talk about it? Because <laughs> I never filled in for Velvet Revolver. I want to hear it. But uh, today they were they were nice enough to bring along a guest via Zoom. So you may be watching this on Zoom on social media or listening later on a podcast. But there are four of us in this Brady Bunch, uh, four and in the lower right quadrant for, quadrant for me is is pretty awesome. It's almost like looking like in a mirror because you're bald, glasses, and a beard. But you have, you have a better tan. You're than quite I handsome, guess. just like you. Quite Very handsome. handsome. <laughs> you're a good looking man, Frank. Yes. <laughs> and I got to say this before I make this even more awkward. And this is actually one of my first questions. I promise I would answer, uh, ask uh, fans. I would ask this. How do you say your last name? <laughs> Ferrer or Ferrer. Latino is Ferrer. Um, if you're Anglo, it's Ferrer. 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 All right. I, I, like I don't want to butcher. Ferrer. Ferrer. I, I don't want to butcher the uh, Latino uh, spice to it, so I'll just do the angle away. Frank Ferrer. That, 
Frank, this is um, this is awesome. I feel this is a long time coming. I was telling you off the air that I wanted to come down and meet you because you're often in New York City and a stone's throw away from where I work at, at iHeart, one of our loca- locations, and you're playing with your, your other band, Mule Kick, at right. Rollins Grocery. And normally I'm doing the Keith Sweat radio show behind the scenes, which is much different than what we're doing now, Sweat Hotel, that's but that's a company plug, so they'll appreciate it. So I can never make it down. So I appreciate that I get to see you though uh, via Zoom. This is better than I'm a phone nice to meet call. You. Ho- hopefully, you come down to one of those soon. Hopefully, they'll be happening soon. Hopefully, everything's happening soon. But yeah, you could come down. We will. Good time. Uh, and we will. And just a special hello to uh, our our mutual. He's more of your friend. I met him a couple times. He's really nice. Uh, Tommy London. Yeah. Who you, people make a see and like? Who is that guy that looks like Johnny Bravo? Well, that's that's, that's <laughs> Johnny Bravo. That's great. That's Tommy. So uh, I have to call him I, Tomas, Tomas Londres. <laughs> First thing I got to ask, because I know you're a local uh, New York guy, but you're, yeah. you're not in New York. So where are you located and are you safe? Are you okay? Um, oh, how yeah, are I'm you? Totally safe. I'm out in the desert in uh, California. I moved out to California in 2018. Lived in L.A. for about a year or so. And then I bought a home out in the desert I'm near Palm Springs, Coachella. Uh, so yeah, super safe here. It's quiet. You know, there's not a lot of people out here, you know. Um, okay. so it's great. Yeah, no, it's cool. I mean, uh, um, my whole family's back East, um, obviously, cause, uh, my kids live in New Jersey and stuff like that. So, you know, usually I, I go back home once a month or back to the East coast to hang out with them, or I fly them out here like I did for Christmas, but with the flying and the planes and everything's kind of weird right now. So I've been just, um, you know, staying at home, you know, um, quarantining, you know, so uh, hopefully I get to see them soon. But, uh, but yes, thank you very much. I am safe here in the desert. That's like the first thing I, I heard. And I think I said this to you, Kristen and, and Mark. It's yeah. the new hello is, how are you? Are you okay? And the, new, and the new goodbye is stay safe. It's just a different world. You know, it could be worse. More like my mother, typical Jewish mother, when she calls you, <laughs> the first thing she says to you, is everything all right? <laughs> it's actually annoying yes everything's all right it's like it's a negative is everything all right yes it's fine uh, i had to that's why i have to explain to so many people why i am the way i am because that's how it is like are you okay because um i don't know i, I care about you even though i just met you i, I want to make sure that you're all you're safe and sound because uh why the the move though i mean is that more convenient for you because i, I don't know as a new yorker i don't know if i can handle the pace of la i've never well, been out there I've been trying to move to the West Coast for a really long time. I worked out here in 2000, and I actually lived out here for the whole year that project was on, and I just fell in love with it. And at the time, the circumstances weren't – it wasn't the right climate for my whole family to move out. Um, So I went back home. Um, But since 2000, 2001, I've been dying to move out to the West Coast. I I just love the culture. I love the heat. Um, believe it or not, you know, I'm a New Yorker, man. I cannot stand the cold anymore. I know. And I was cool until I bought a house. I used to live in apartments. I grew up in apartments my whole life. So somebody else was shoveling the snow, you know. And yes. You know, in New York City are really warm. They're always super warm. But once we got a house, we bought a house in New Jersey. Man, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't stand it. Get the snowblower out. <laughs> oh, that? Get the snowblower out. Oh, my God. I mean, if, if there was snow where you needed to use a snowblower, I would not leave and leave. I wouldn't leave the house. Stay home. Yeah. That's- I was going to school today. I'm not doing nothing. I mean, I couldn't. 
But so, yeah, so, the, and obviously uh, Guns N' Roses has given me the opportunity um, to, to move out here, you know. Um, so, yes, I am closer to the band here um, and, you know, closer to my bandmates, you know. So, yeah, so it was uh, the right, it was just the right opportunity to, to, to make the move. So I jumped on it. Right on. And I, I, I'm with you on the, the winners. The la- I know global warming, whether you believe it or not, whatever's going on, it's terrible. But you know what? Right now, I can deal with not the snow. I'm okay with whatever happens to my great-great-grandkids. Uh, I don't really – maybe that sounds wrong, what happens to them. But I'm cold now, and it's been – it snowed for like five minutes out in here in Queens the other day. Like, I don't, I don't know what's, what's going on. But Yeah, uh-huh. all my buddies back east are telling me it's still cold there, right? Yeah, it's gonna then it's gonna be eighty this weekend. So I don't I don't know what Mother Nature uh, what drugs she's taken, but she needs to stop. I wanted uh, let's talk about the normal times though. Where in New York did you grow up? Because I said to myself, and and we'll preface it with what we were talking about before. Have those three bald guys on the call. You know, I my hair was I wanted to be like Kristen. You know, maybe that was kind of a um, my girlfriend said I made her watch for the first time the uh, the Ritz show, nineteen eighty eighty eight show for GNR. Right. right. And she's like, she didn't realize she didn't like how effeminate uh, Axel was or whatever that 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 aura. I'm like, that's that's what I looked until I, how I went bald. And she's like, I like you bald. I like the beard. Anyway, but I saw how good Frank looked bald and with the beard, <laughs> so I got the courage to shave it all off. Anyway. Uh, where did, <laughs> did you choose uh, where did to be you... bald though? Do, are we are we choosing this like Frank? No. If you didn't yeah, shave, I mean, yeah, you'd have hair. It looks so good on him though. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be big and it wouldn't be thick, but I mean, it'd be like you know, it's kind of thinning on top. So I just shave it. It looks yeah. so good. You know, the thing so. about Frank is though, I've been to dinner with Frank a few times um, in LA. We always have our favorite spots. We go to that one we went to last time. That Formosa, that was awesome. Yeah, that place is great. That that was awesome, and and you know he is he's a particularly good looking fellow, and I can say that as a straight male. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a particularly good looking guy, and and whether people know, I think the good thing about, I think if you're going to be in the biggest band in the world, this is my take on it. I think if you're going to be the, in the biggest band in the world, being the drummer in the biggest band in the world, I reckon is the best spot. I tell you why. Because you're in the biggest band in the world, but you've also people who know the band know who you are absolutely, and, and you can't miss him. But you're also have a, have a level of anonymity as well, so you can actually lead a. I suppose you, you could tell me if I'm wrong. A somewhat to to a certain extent normal life, just in the everyday life that your neighbours know who you are and GNR yeah. people know who you are. But I reckon he's in the best position out of anybody because he can have this incredible life on one point. But on the other side, you could completely switch off from it and be left alone. And I think that that is perfect. Am I right or wrong? I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I love, I love um, being able to be a regular guy. That's yeah. very important to me, you know. Um, and, and also, you, and, you know, to add that, you know, the focus is on really like the three main guys, really. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that takes a lot of pressure off of me, to, you know, um, Offer me not so much playing wise, but more like being out in public and stuff like that. You know, I reckon playing wise, it'd put more pressure on you. Well, I mean, playing wise is the heaviest gig I've ever had. <laughs> but um, get no, but to, you're absolutely yeah. right. It, 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 you know, it allows me to be like a regular guy. And you know what, he, he, Brandon, 
and and I'm I'm not I'm not here to blow smoke to Frank because I've known him for a while and everything's cool and we do things <laughs> together. He is the nicest guy. I mean, you you talk about you know we we went to dinner in the last time we were in dinner. Jagger, my son, was with us, who is an up and coming great drummer, and to sit there with the with and I said this to Frank. I said if you if you if your aim is to be in a rock band, he's got the best rock and roll drumming gig in the world, hands down. Hands down. And to sit there with my son, who's a great drummer, and not, not at this level because there's 17 years and Jagger's 17 and Frank's um, 39. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the best Zoom chat I've ever had. <laughs> so many compliments. I was getting, going up. I was getting better and better and better. <laughs> so many compliments. But to sit there with him and listen to him and Jagger talking about punk music and rock and roll and drum, he's, oh, yeah, nice, he's very knowledgeable, your son. But you're such a nice guy. It's just, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about this before, Brandon, on some of the podcasts, you know, just to deal with this level of musician and level of nice guy. And it proves to me, it proves to me why guys like Frank get these gigs. Not only are they sensational players, that goes without saying, but they're good, they're good people. They're, he's just a good person. And, and it just resonates. And I love that. And I, and I feel honoured to be in the position to be able to work with someone like that. Compliments are done. (laughs) (laughs) And that ties into really, Mark, uh, where I was going with with that was where I want to know where you grew up, you know, because I I, it's so relatable because you are just the regular guy. I'm like, that is a guy from my neighborhood who got the guns. He's in my favorite band. Like I can't even imagine what he's going through because I'm assuming and correct me if I'm wrong. You're you're a fan in heart. Like, what is he going through? And he's it's like when you watch uh, one of those sing competitions or whatever, you root for your hometown. It's like I get a hometown guy in Guns N' Roses, you know. And I, I think I said this off the uh, the air. Also, when you were doing, I went to I went to obviously a few New York shows. I'm doing the LJ thing along with you. I was like, yes, yes. So, uh, yeah, no, in Madison Square Garden is a special place for sure. A hundred percent. You know, I mean, first off, you know, it's, it's the most famous arena in the whole wide world. The Mecca. Um, and, um, you know, I, my dad took me to go see Kiss there in 1977. And that's when I fell in love with rock music for sure. I was like, I'm doing that. I didn't know, I didn't know what they were doing. I didn't know how they were doing it, but whatever <laughs> they were doing, I was going to do uh, and I was 11 when that happened. So, yeah, no. So so I grew up in Chelsea, like where Madison Square Garden is. I grew up, like, you know, like 20 okay. blocks away from Madison Square Garden. I grew up on 16th Street and 9th Avenue in the Fulton Projects. And I lived there. Um, um, you know, I grew up. I, grew, I, I moved when I was like a teenager. I moved out of there and then lived in the Lower East Side, Midtown, Hell's Kitchen. You know, you know, as a New Yorker, you, you have to find, you try to stay at one rent bracket right <laughs> and it only lasts like one or two years and you got to move yeah. somewhere else right sure sure so, yeah no absolutely so, were you yeah. moving around when you were were you were you young like how long did you live in in new york and did okay, you, so, is that where you created your scene in, in your i mean you know, so, so, what, yeah, kind of, so like, what kind of student were you like if i can ask were you yeah no i mean too, like i mean i mean you know i was i in chelsea you're walking distance from the, you're, you're around the corner from the limelight that was on 20, 20th Street, snafus. You had, I, I mean, I was a little too young for Max, Max's Kansas City, but I was right on 617th Street. I had the Palladium on 14th Street where I saw um, um, Eric Carr's first show. Um, okay. Um, I, I, uh, CBGB's was walking distance. I mean, you know, I mean, 
Everything was literally, if you want anyone you want to see, the cat club, I saw Jane's Addiction at the cat club, maybe, maybe 150 people was in that place, you know? I mean, um, and you know, everywhere from an arena to a club was almost within walking distance from my, my mom's apartment. Who was influencing you to go to those clubs and see the bands that you were seeing? Was it friends? Was it family? Well, you know, um, I wasn't, I, I didn't, uh, I don't, how do I say this? So I grew up with a lot of Latino kids, you know, uh, a lot of black and Latino kids. So most of them weren't really into rock. So okay. I did a lot of exploring by myself. But um, once I found a group of people, you know, I would meet up with them somewhere. But, you know, um, back when I was a kid, you know, you got your information from the Village Voice, Bleaker Bobs. You ever, do you remember? How, how old are you, friend? I, 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 I want you to guess once. Can you guess? I'm just curious. I would say, seriously, I would say you're like 30? 36. I'll be 37 in September. So, all right. So, yeah, so you're a little young. I mean, you would have I been remember, I know the Village Voice, which uh, just ended recently, right? Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. What was that, Kristen? Village Voice still exists online. Oh, does it? Oh, online. online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, the print version. Yeah. Well, the print version, you would get, it would be, it was like the LA Weekly. I don't know if you guys. Yeah, you find it out on the street in those little things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you Not found out about that, that, about bands through there. You know, um, Bleaker Bobs is a great place because Bleaker Bobs would have like Kerrang! Magazine and all that stuff. So you would look at Kerrang! Magazine and they would get all the imports and, um, yeah, man. You know, CB's was a hot spot, man. You go to, I mean, CB's, you just go. Maybe somebody cool's playing, maybe not. But, you know, you would just go to CB's. You know? Limelight, you know, great. I saw I, I saw Ace Freely um, at Limelight. Kiss came down and did a bunch of songs with them. Just, you know, I mean, it's great. New York was, New York was perfect. You know, my parents are from Cuba, and, and their intention was to build a house in uh in cuba my father moved to new york he was gonna make some money send it back home they were gonna build a house and live in a house in cuba and and castro happened so they stayed in new york i mean oh wow the greatest thing that happened to me <laughs> that my parents decided <laughs> in new york you know uh, I, I mean what, what could not have been uh i'm on I mean, it just goes to, to show you like those those small decisions, or that's not a small decision at that time, but that's obviously a life changing one. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you find the the drums? Why were you drawn to that? I mean, you were talking about Ace Freely just now, but but why? You know, well, not, it's not guitar. You know. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, of course, I try guitar. I mean, every every okay. kid that wants to rock picks up a guitar. But my father was a Latin percussionist. So um, rhythms um, were very very easy for me. It was something I grew up listening to and hearing since I was born. Um, so the drums were very natural. I had a great sense of rhythm when I sat behind a drum set, you know, so, um, you know, you know, pocket is the most important thing a drummer, um, you know, needs to be successful, you know, um, finding the groove and thank God that's like my biggest strength is uh, being able to sit in a groove. So um, it was easy. It was literally easy. And then, then, you know, then you had to figure out how to, uh, cause you would hear records and like, how the hell are they doing that? And then you would go see bands. You could go see somebody play the instrument. Then you're like, ah, oh, there wasn't YouTube. You actually saw the guy, you know? What? So what I ended up doing was like carrying equipment for, for drummers too, um, to get into gigs for free to watch them play. Wow. Okay. That's so it, it, it's, that's awesome that you were surrounded by it. Do you remember your, your first real band? Do you remember when you... My first real band. 
Um, I was in high school. I can't remember the name of the band. They were a cover band. And, and the bass player walked by my building one day, heard me playing the drums. I was in high school, so I might have been 15, 16. And he actually knocked on my door and, and he was like, hey, I live a, you know, a block or so away. Can I bring my bass over and we can jam? And I was like, sure. I had never played with a bass player. I never played with another musician. I was like, you bet. So we started jamming together. And he, had, he was playing in this cover band. Um, and I played a couple of gigs with them, one in Harlem. And it was all like 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 dance music, no? Because uh, you know the cover bands were hired to, for for dances, right? So sure, um, it's pretty much dance. But it, that was my first. I was in high school still. That was my first paying gig. That was the first time I was like, "Wow, I can make." Because I would have done it for free, yo. <laughs> <You know what laughs> I, mean? I would have done that shit for free. But it was the first time I got out. Uh, I made a little bit of money, and I was like, "Wow." No. And then I had to convince my parents <laughs> that I didn't want to go to school which was like really difficult, you know. Was that the decision then? Like, this is what I want to do with my life? Because I'm assuming they had I, I knew what I wanted to do. Like I said, I was 11 years old when, when I found out what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how to pursue it. And living in a, in a, my, my, my father was very strict. So living in that household, I couldn't live that kind of lifestyle there, obviously. Um, it, was a, it was get an education, have a job, you know. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't like go to school, have a job and play drums at the same time. It was really difficult. So I just kept my job and I kept the drums and I moved out. <laughs> okay. I tried, school. I, I did a couple, I did a couple of years. I went to NYU for a year, oh, okay. um, two semesters. And then I went to Hunter college for a couple of semesters sure. and, 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 you know, I just wanted to play music. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know education is very important. My older sister's a lawyer. My younger sister finished college. She was an executive at, at J Records for a while. Um, um, so they're well educated, my sisters. But I just, I just wanted to get out there and play. You know. Well, I mean, you're you're well spoken. You you sound educated. I mean, the, what's what's a formal education I'm, now I'm, anyway? I'm dying, I'm dying to cuss though. I'm dying to cuss. <laughs> you can if you want. You know, it's not my me. You know. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So how long has been, because like I, I said, I, I've wanted to meet you and come down before. I was actually shy about it. I go to Tommy. I was like, I just messaged him on Facebook. Like, can you introduce me to Frank? Uh, I mean, but, sweet, uh, you know, Tommy's how, it's a good guy. Yeah. I'm jealous because he's friends with uh, my, my crush, uh, Lady Gaga. I'm like, you know her? Yeah. <laughs> I just speed near you. <laughs> that was, that was a little weird though. Uh, Kristen's laughing. That's okay. <laughs> How long has uh, Mule Kick been going on, though? Because that seems to be a long run. Mule started in, in 15, I think. Okay. Uh, so Mule Kick um, came about because one of my best friends in the world had this restaurant in Bed-Stuy called uh, uh, um, Beast of Bourbon, like that Australian band, right? Isn't that an Australian band called yeah. Beast of Bourbon? Beast of Bourbon, and, yeah. Uh, and that was the name of the place. And he was going to put a blues, hey, I'm putting a blues band on Tuesday night. So I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, a blues band. I mean, everybody, <laughs> I mean, we like the blues, but come on, man. I'm like, you should put a fucking rock band up there. It's doing a classic 70s. And he was like, put one together. I was like, Ugh. I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask two musicians that I don't get to play with a lot. Two musicians that I love to play with, which is, um, uh, Rob Carlisle and Brett Bass on bass, who, who Brett Bass is also in Pisser, so we could segue there in a second. I mean, basically, Real Kick is basically is Pisser, basically. So, because Rob Cloris, the keyboard player, played on the record. All the keyboards on that is, is Rob Cloris. So, um, 
I asked Rob Chorus, who's played with Black Crows and a lot of heavies, if he was available to do this weekly thing, and I asked Brett Bass. And I was like, if either of those guys say no, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to do it. And both guys said yes. Now, um, Rob Bailey, who's also the guitar player in Pisser, I knew he'd do it. <laughs> and I, I knew he'd do it. He, I, I, I didn't even bother to ask him. I was just like, yo, we got a rehearsal on Thursday for this new thing. <laughs> We're like, all right. Um, I knew he, but I didn't know if Cl- Rob Chorus or, or Brett Bass would be available. And thank God they were into it and they did it. And I mean, the main reason I did it was because it was a quiet time. You know, the whole um, um, Slash stuff coming back into the band, that whole quiet time after the, the pretty much the um, Chinese democracy version of Guns pretty much ended. And when they guys were getting that together, that took a long time to get together. So we were quiet as a band. And I wanted to, and I wanted to play, and I tried to play around locally with some bands, but I was like, you know, I, I want to just keep my level of musicianship really as high as I possibly can. Um, and those guys I played with in Mule Kick, who who I ended up, who was basically Pisser, um, had that. You know, those guys are heavy, heavy players. And growing up in New York City, man, you had to be a, you had to be really good. You couldn't be okay. I mean, there was bands that kind of sucked. But it wasn't because those guys couldn't play. It was because they didn't have good music and stuff like that. You know, the songs. But you cannot, you couldn't get up on the stage when I was growing up and not be a good player. That's very different today. (laughs) Today, you don't have to be a good player to get up on stage. When I was growing up, you have to be. You had to be. It's interesting Mm -hmm. what you say. So, So if you're off the, so let's talk about now. You're off the road for a little bit. Right. And you, you're out, obviously you've got drums out there, you've got something yeah. out there. Do you find that, if, is it like a, a, a tennis player or, a, or, a, or a, um, a, a football player, you've got to keep that level of intensity? I play drums every day. Yeah. Every single day. And when you play, are you doing rudiments or are you playing Guns N' Roses songs? Like, I'll do, do? Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some double bass stuff just so I can to get another part of my brain open. I'm not necessarily that I want to play it with the band or with anyone, but it's just something challenging, something I, that, that I've never, haven't really done in the past. I did it when I was really, really young, when everybody was doing it, you know? Yeah. And then uh, um, I, I stuck with single kick. But uh, so no, yeah, no, I, I'm working on double bass stuff. Um, um, I'll work, I'll work, you know, I'll, I'll play along to, to, to a lot of Guns N' Roses stuff, especially the Chinese democracy stuff, because, you know, Brain Mantilla, who played on the record, I mean, the drumming on that record is just so good, you know? So I'll play a lot of that stuff too. And it's funny because Brain is out here also. He's out here in the desert. So um, he's been on uh, the show a couple of times. He's awesome. Brain has been on the show a couple of times? Yep. Oh, he is cool. so great. I'm going to go, as soon as we're done, I'm going to walk over and go see him. <laughs> oh, tell so, him I say hello. He yeah. owes me. He said, uh, oh, not, he doesn't owe me anything, but he knows he has to follow up because I wanted him to have him on a third time because he's one of the most like highly rated guests that I've had on these. Dude, maybe we should do one together. We should do a drummer's forum one. Oh my God, you're going to make him a heart attack. He's going to get a heart attack. We should, do, we should get brain and, and we should get a couple of other drummers and do just like a drummer forum vibe, you know? Uh, I, I what do I have to do? I have to like sign a, <laughs> sign a contract to, <laughs> to be your best friend. Like, what do I have to do? <laughs> yes. No, that that sounds great, Frank. We will we will just to show you I'm professional. We will we'll, we'll uh, table that. We'll bring we'll come back to that. Uh, but we want to focus on pisser. So I want to make sure I do you right this time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we're getting to pisser because we're talking about the the, the the guys the mule kick pretty much ended up being in pisser. 
and then you're practicing because Mark is asking some great, great questions. And it's like, how do you, cause I'm, I, it's funny when people ask me, do I listen to podcasts? Cause I am, I'm part of one. No, I listen to, I don't, <laughs> I listen to music and I listen to sports radio. So obviously there's not a lot of sports going on right now. So it's talking about all these athletes. How do they stay in shape and how are they going to get in shape? And, you know, baseball is going to be 80 games. If, you know, if basketball is going to have a three week playoff, how do you do that? So, I often make sports comparisons to uh, to music. I, I've said Guns N' Roses are like the Yankees. I root for the uniform. I'm a fan of different, you know, rosters. You know, that's that's who I root for. You know, you may have your favorite players, whatever, but I root for the uh, you know the the emblem as I wear my Guns N' Roses T-shirt from Israel. I root Is for it the Guns N' Roses or Guns N' Noses. Moses. Moses. You can say that. You can say that. Yeah, I see <laughs> You could say that in this I'm, world. I'm you know, allowed yeah, to no. say it. I'm allowed to say yeah. it. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll make you, we'll call you Mark Alexander Erberwitz to make it really sound. Erberberg. Ergerberger. <laughs> Sorry. This is going off. It's going crazy. Uh, so no, that that's, so that's how you're keeping uh, up to date with everything. So do you practice for, X amount of hours a day? Because you say you do it every day. How do you... I try not to practice more than two hours. I only okay. have so much drumming left in this very young 39-year-old body. I don't want to burn out. I don't want to burn out. And I, but I play every single day, though. Oh. Brandon, if you knew how old Frank was, you'd just fall over. He looks so <laughs> good. Like, seriously. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I there's. I think I, I I may have tweeted as I have obviously a GNR thing. May have tweeted happy. It was your birthday recently? Wasn't it? Like what, March twenty fifth. Twenty fifth. Yeah. So yeah. It's, isn't it like fifty? Aren't you like fifty? Fifty four. Fifty four. Yeah. So he looks great. He looks amazing. And you know what? You My birthday. You're saying don't say it. <laughs> don't tell uh, it. How are you? I, I would have guessed maybe forty two. Wow. <laughs> I would have guessed that, but like I said, I only. And our and Billy Idol, who not that they're old, but like you know, they're the same age as you, and you look a lot younger. <laughs> yeah. And you know that that's the end of your relationship with Billy Idol now because it's all fine. recorded. I love them. <laughs> no, no. It's nothing against them. They know uh, they look them. good. You look like you're younger than me almost. <laughs> Billy's not fifty-four. No, no, but you no, know, no. all the other guys in the band are in their fifties. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask since you. You look super young. Yeah, but you know what, Brandon, you missed what Frank was saying, I'm telling you. Frank mentioned the night, did you mention the nightclub uh, in New York, the Twilight? The Limelight. Limelight, Limelight, Limelight. I was just watching a Miami Vice episode. (laughs) I loved Miami. As one does. As one does in lockdown. (laughs) Um, And they started the Series 2 in 1985 or 86, and they were in New York. They did that big two-hour special in New York. It was oh, called wow. The Prodigal Son, right? I, I mean, I, I love Miami Vice. Anyway, Tubbs was in there talking to Crockett and said, hey, let's groove on up to the limelight. And this was in, this was in mid-'80s. So he sort of gave away his age there a little bit too. Well, I mean, you can see it every It's not Wikipedia, Wikipedia and everything. Yeah, just, yeah. I know. Until like 2004 or something, didn't it? It was open. The limelight. Well, that's right. No, right. It lasted. It lasted till the two thousands. No, no, right. That's right. That's right. It did. It did. Um, they made that movie, right? It's that movie uh, about. That doesn't really. What's the movie? I wonder if I saw the movie. Yeah, what movie? You're cutting out, Kristen, too. By the way. I know. 
Chris your webcam is yeah, drunk. You guys are all skipping. No, no, you're frozen. <laughs> you're going to hate this because you're all frozen on a funny face. <laughs> I'm cheesy. I look, that's even worse. Just turn your camera. Oh, that's not a good one. That's, that's not, not a good one, one Kristen. <laughs> oh, we've got to make sure we go live with this. Maybe friend. she needs to sign out, sign out, sign back in. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. or put a smiley face over. <laughs> that's too bad. Kristen, kill your camera straight away. I'll, I'll make it. I'll, I'll make it better. Looks like she had a stroke. Anyway. Oh, anyway. God. So we're talking about pizza. Yes, and then uh, you're practicing. But then that, that relates to, as we were talking about, Frank, looking young and practicing and everything. And you said you'll practice no more than two hours a day. Right. Well, Guns N' Roses shows are three hours, three and a half hours. So how hard is it for you? Here we go. Kristen's back. So how hard is it for you to go from the two hours? Or can you do the three? Is that is it that extra gear for a show? Well, well yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why I only practice. I, I try not to practice more than two hours because we play such long shows. Yeah. When we rehearse the band, or rehe- the band rehearsals could be five hours. You know, if we're working on stuff, if, if they introduce a new song into the set, I mean, we could be at a rehearsal for five, six hours. I mean, we play. That's a lot of drumming. You know. So I, I try, I try not to burn myself out, but that's exact. That's the main reason why I, uh, okay. I the rehearsals are that much more. That's what you're like. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Rehearsals will be, you know, we do, you know, the shortest rehearsal will be four hours and like a long rehearsal will be six hours. Okay. You know, right. I mean, I'm it's not, it's not like, you know, just hanging out. I mean, we're playing, you know, we're working on stuff. If, if uh, you know, like I said, they introduce a couple of songs to the set. Hey, let's try this song. Or we haven't played this in a while. You know, before you, I mean, how does that part go? I mean, that happens at rehearsals. And so rehearsals then tend to be really long. You know? What's the body yeah. of songs? How many songs, if you go out on a, on a typical arena tour, how mm-hmm. many songs would there be that you could pick from for a different set? I, I, I mean, I mean, 40 probably. Wow. It's unbelievable. Probably 40. I would I, I mean, I, I would sit, have to sit down and count, but I would imagine... 40. And we play like 27 of them. We play, we play almost all of them, you know? Yeah. Do you have yeah. any say in the set list or it's kind of like, here's the set Me list. personally? I mean, um, I mean, uh, I, I don't know about what say, say, but I mean, I can make suggestions. Hey, we haven't played this in a while, stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I mean, it really comes down to like, um, um, you know, what the band is really comfortable doing, you know, on a certain night. It'll, it'll, you know, most of the nights, uh, we'll have a certain set of songs that we'll do every night, but then there'll be, you know, audibles. Hey, let's do this one tonight. Or we're ready. Let's ready to do that one tonight. And if you're a fan, you know, you can go through and see when we've played this song and this show, played right. that song that show. Usually those are audibles. You know? Yeah. Maybe, do you maybe have like, a, do you have a favorite right now? Like, or does it change? What's I, um Right. Well, I love You Could Be Mine. I think it's the funnest drum, rock and roll drum song I've ever played. Um, I love the drum parts. The storm drum parts are dope. Um, so that's always, I always get really up to play that. It's, it's punk rocky. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of has a, um, ACDC feel, but at the same time it has kind of like this punk rocky tribal thing at the beginning of it. So it's like, I get to play all my favorite genres in one song, but I like locomotive. You know, we've done locomotive once or twice already. That's a great song to play. Um, you know, Coma's a fun song to play. It's a long song to play. I got to save my energy for that one. We play that one live. That takes, that's a really, that's a, you know, that one takes a lot out of me to play. It's a great tune, you know. Um, sure. But I would say my favorite is definitely You Could Be Mine. If I can ask, and uh, I said this to you off the air, you can always plead the fifth. 
you know, there's always like rumored set lists and everything that are out there. You never know if they're real or not or Photoshop. We've seen some alternate songs. Uh, like it did happen with Slither. We saw it on a leaked set list, and then it became in, it came in the set. So Slither happened. So well, I mean, and that's any- the point I was trying to make before was that you know there's there's a body of right there's like forty tunes, and any of those forty tunes could be played at a show. Not all forty, but any of those forty tunes could be played at a show. So. so- can I ask is, uh, what is the, the rumored hard school? Is that something that the band has practiced? Well, I think, I think um, I'll just wait till, you know, the band makes any kind of formal announcements when it comes to, to songs like that, 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 you know, um, any rumors, I'll just let the band make a formal announcement before I, I comment on it. Yeah, no, that, that's fine by me. And that, that makes a, a good, nice, uh, tr- awkward transition back to, uh, <laughs> it's, not, it's not awkward. I mean, it's not awkward. No, I know. I'm making it awkward. And I'm just saying that I've got, you know, I'll, I'm, I'll let management and the band worry about, about anything about rumors. No, sure, 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 absolutely. And I'm just making it awkward. Now, if you listen to the show, when you come on again with Brain, this is, again, my Jewishness. I just, I, I make it Dude, worse than it needs to be. Brandon, it's not awkward. It's okay. <laughs> it's You're making it awkward, Brandon. <gasps> I can't! Uh, so how did uh, your relation your relationship, and we'll talk more about GNR, we will, uh, with, with Mark happen? How did that, when did your bromance kick off? Mark, when did we meet first? I know we met before one time a while ago with... Uh, I tell you, Hamster. Well, it, it, very, very early, early I know on. we met a couple of times before. We no. met when Rose Tattoo, was Rose Tattoo's on the label, when Rose Tattoo um, supported GNR uh, on the Australian tour. And um, I was at the Brisbane or Sydney show. No, Brisbane, I think it was. And the first time I met you, you were coming down the gangplank and at the back of the stage because... Um, uh, Rose Tattoo were doing their sound check. And um, I've got a photo of it, actually, because we took a photo with Jagger. And that, oh. was, and that was great. And then that was the first time we met. And then Richard Fortas introduced me on email to Dizzy, like within that six months, saying, look, he's got this unbelievable, um, what's it called, Rock and Roll Ain't Easy. It's on my wall there. Um, rock uh, album that he's been holding on like a baby for five years, not like a baby, but the album like the album like a baby, like it's his new <laughs> kid. And um, we released it for him worldwide, and so I started that relationship with him. And then with you, um, I think I was introduced to you, I think by somebody, uh, another contact of ours, a mutual friend in Australia, and. I think you just ended up joining us and oh all right right that's how we got that's right I, I was trying to figure out how we got connected yeah. but right right I mean wait, wait, I mean Rick I mean yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so yeah. we got introduced and then then yeah, yeah. then it all went from there and then every time I'm in LA we, we do a dinner or or we've been out a few times in LA to, we love Jones's up there on Santa Monica best steak in LA or one of the best steaks in love LA Jones. god I can't wait to get back to LA Geez, I miss it. Yeah, you're supposed to be out here by now, right? Hundred percent. I, I I should have been there ages ago, and I and I just feel it's like what you said at the beginning. You know how you you I reckon you either love L.A. California or you don't, and I absolutely love it. I think it's got the best elements of Sydney with the weather and everything else, but it's just got so much more than than we have to offer here. Um, but yeah, so we go out for dinner whenever we see each other, and and then in fact. We're working on now, we'll talk about it, we're working on a third single 
and um, for Pisser at the moment um, to come out and um, and a few other interesting things that we're doing and and pushing it out worldwide. So it's it's fabulous that Frank's got the time because one of the best things about Frank being on this is that Brandon can stop emailing me every week begging me to get Frank on it. <laughs> so, Almost every other, maybe. Yeah, maybe yeah. every other. Maybe, maybe. You know, Brandon, just real quick, just to, just to, give, just to backtrack just a little bit, um, one of the main reasons why, and because John, I mean, um, uh, I'm sorry, um, Mark just touched on it. One of the reasons was because you get the energy, the same energy from New York or Sydney, you get that energy. Mm. But but you get the sun and the beach. It's like it's 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 the same energy, but the complete opposite of New York. You know, mm. so that's that's oh, why that's yeah. why one of the reasons why was that it's slowed uh, down. Like you can relax. Like I down. feel like I walk so fast because I'm a New Yorker, and people are always like, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "Why walk?" <laughs> you realize like how much we move and how our pace is. So go go go, and you come here and you're like, "Oh, what the hell was I doing?" <laughs> I got that. You know. Just- quick because it's uh you know boring about myself but when i got my first radio job in cape cod which is much different than new york i was like that people would smile at me walking past me on the street what the fuck is your problem you're just being nice and smiling it and so i got that and i actually did try to move out west or or down south where snow does not exist but radio is a funny business and uh you know i got a good job now so you know uh i'm stuck in new york I do, I do that all the time, too. I'll go back to New York, and I'll be like, hey, how you doing? Hey. And I'm like, oh, shit, fuck, I'm in New York. Yeah, I nope, don't look at the guy. <laughs> <laughs> so would, would, uh, is Pisser a, a New York band? It's a New York band, then. I would say that it's a New York band, yeah. Okay. Definitely. definitely. And, and, and it's just got a New York vibe. Yeah. yeah. Slow East Side. I mean, you know, you know, one of the reasons I left New York was because of the grime. Pisser's grime, bro. Yeah. Grind, grind, you know. <laughs> well, with a name like that, because I, I didn't know what it was for, because it's spelt uh, P-S-S-R. I thought it was a branch of communism. I didn't know like, it was pisser. <laughs> Sorry. I've been holding that joke. I was like, I'm going to tell that to Frank and I'll, hopefully he laughs. Back in the P-S-S-R? That'd be a good song. <laughs> <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do it. Uh, so did that band, was that band in the works by the time you met up with uh, Golden Robot? That's why we that, met. Yeah, that, that band, uh, Richard Fortas and I were in a band that was signed to Sony in the 90s called Honky Toast. Best name ever. Best we, did, we did one record and got dropped just like everybody else, every other band in the whole wide world. And out of the ashes of Honky Toast, um, Pisser arose. Eric, the singer of Honky Toast, is the singer in Pisser, Eric Jacobson. Okay, uh, he's got a, a unique sound. It's uh, I'm tr- I was trying because it, it really doesn't fit anything. So I, I want people to go in and, and to listen to it with an open mind. But it's like a a Bon Scott meets Jet. Like it's just like an old school just rock, but with great yeah. choruses. Bon and he doesn't have a Bon Scott's voice. I'm a, I'm a Bon Scott fanatic. So when I heard his voice, I was like, I'm playing with that dude. <laughs> I'm a Bon Scott fanatic. I'm half so, Australian, you know that, right? <laughs> say that again? Oh, I'm you're half Australian? Australian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but which half? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No fact. Sorry. No it's, fact. A family, it's a family radio show. I'm being... <laughs> but, um, um, no, um, seriously, I, 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 would, I would say Bon Scott meets Iggy Pop. That's what, what Eric sounds like to me. Yeah. Okay. 
I can I can hear that absolutely. That's a great description. Obviously, you're in the band. That's a great description. So you're talking about uh, more singles, but the first one because Richard Fortas is on it. So right. is he is he just on the the lead single, or is he on the record, or uh, was that just kind of like a? I no, know, no, like, how did it come together? I guess like what can we expect? I, I, I would consider Fortas part of the family. He's not in Pisser, but he's kind of in Pisser. <laughs> you know, like he's played Pisser gigs and he's come up and played with us at Pisser gigs. So so. Okay. Um, He's kind of like a, an extended arm, kind of like how Rob Chorus is also keyboards. It's kind of like an ex, another extension of Pisser. Like, um, um, he's not officially in the band, but you know, he he could he could come and play with us whenever he wants. Let's put it that way, just like he's that. on Busted, the first single Busted. He was yeah. he was on, which you can get on online now. Um, killer song, great song, great. Song. Oh, I'm assuming that there were plans that. Like, how is it going to work out for you with Pisser and if Guns N' Roses and this whole thing, the, the world didn't end? What were the plans for Pisser this summer? And well, the plans to were to, to get together when Guns was down, you know, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, when we, take, when we would take a break, um, I'd go to New York and we'd go do some Pisser stuff, you know. Um, that was the plan, you know. And then, and then you know, um, whenever we take an extended break, then, you know, do Pisser, you know, as much as we can. But, um, yeah, the plan was to do both, you know. That was the plan. I mean, all our plans the changed. One, the one good thing, of, well, not that, that anything's been good about the lockdown, but the good thing about the lockdown, if you want to find something good, is that Frank can do this because normally he's on the road. And so oh, to, get him, right now. Yeah. to get him for an hour um, is not always that easy. So we're yeah. sort of, um, of we're re-looking at a whole lot of things with Pisser at the moment and we're looking to, um, reignite a couple of things because Frank and, and the boys are available, which is really exciting because it needs to it needs to um, get out there. This band, it, it's a great. Forget the connections, forget all that, forget the place. The music is fantastic, and and it's going to resonate with a lot of people. Well, you know, I, I hope you get back with uh, the guys in Pisser, and and I get to hear more because I know a lot of things are unfortunately on hold. But uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't you know, bring up Richard Forrest again. Uh, is he, uh, forgive me if you've, you've spoken about it in other interviews, but is he the one that suggested you or did Brain suggest you? If you can kind of just tell us about your, you know, how you came into Guns N' Roses and that story, if you could. Well, um, um, obviously, well, not obviously. So I've been playing with Richard Fortas on and off in bands since 1992, I believe. We were in Loves oh, for Love together, Honky Toes, Psychedelic Furs, you know, Pisser, he played with Pisser, um, a um, uh, bunch of local bands, other artists, you know, Tommy Stinson. And that's how Tommy comes to the picture. So Richard played on Tommy's solo record. And then whenever Tommy would come in to do gigs in New York, he'd get music, local musicians. You know, he, you know, you know, Tommy does that in different, Tommy Stinson does that in different towns. So show up somewhere sure. and have local musicians play. So whenever Tommy would come into the New York area, um, Richard would get me and, and our, another bass player who was actually played in Pisser too, uh, Winston Roy. Um, and we come and be Tommy's band in New York. So I was playing with Tommy and Richard, um, while they were still working on the Chinese democracy stuff. And then, um, um, when Brain found out that his, um, wife was going to give birth during, um, the, the, the tour, the summer tour of 2006, like, I got that right. Um, it, those guys were like, hey, that's cool. We just get Frank to come in and play, you know, a couple of weeks. You know, it was like, it was literally like that. You know, like, um, I didn't know this. They told me this afterwards, but pretty much I had the gig. I, I, you know, it was my gig to fuck up, you know. Um, 
So um, those guys are like, yeah, no, we know the right guy. You know, he's, he's, he's you know, I, I think the main thing was like, he smiles a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it was the main thing. He's an all right drummer, but he smiles a lot. <laughs> was there like an audition uh, process or you just started um, live gigs or not, not so much a process, but yeah, I had to come and play with the band. Yeah, you bet. Man, that was, in, in, was right, right in New York. They were in New York rehearsing on 25th street. So uh, I went and played and it was great. Brain was, was gracious and, and uh, you know, the guys were wonderful. Tommy was you know, great. Robin was great. Chris Pittman, you know, everybody was really warm and welcoming. It was great. What about when those two weeks were up? Because I'm assuming you were like, oh, I'm going to have this awesome, awesome experience for a couple of weeks. Well, I, I looked at it as it was just that, just those two weeks. I, just, I didn't really think too much beyond the two weeks. All I wanted right. to do was ensure that there was a nice continuity when Brain got off and then I got on, right? So there was to be seamless, uh, especially for Axel, you know, because he's, you know, now he's been playing with Brain for years. So, you know, he... I wanted to make sure that I I was going to sneak in and sneak out vibe, you know, um, and just keep the the seat warm for Brain. I found out like a couple of weeks later that uh, Brain um, wasn't going to come. He wanted to stay with the kid. Um, so once I found out that I was going to finish the tour, then I definitely settled in. But um, for those two weeks, I was just trying to play as as much as like Brain as possible. You know? It was well, can I ask you a question. Sorry, Brandon. Please no. Go ahead. And, and look, I, I don't know if it's the right, right question to ask, but I'm, I'm interested. Um, and then, so you went from that version of Gunners mm -hmm. um, and then obviously it morphed into the current version of uh, Gunners. Were you, were you feeling when the original lineup started coming back um, mm -hmm. and that was all happening? I remember being in LA and all of a sudden, I think it was Coachella, the, the original logo was up on Sunset. was in a blew everybody's mind. I mean, I've never seen a band go from one version to another version like that and never miss a beat. I mean, it's never been done before and it'll never be done again. But was there a, was there a point there where you thought maybe, you know, you know, Stephen will come back or whatever, maybe there'll be a point where that's it or you knew you'd be always part of it? Um, um, I, I don't, I, I'm not too sure how to answer, answer that because... Um, Everything was really, I mean, I felt confident that, that I know Axel loved the way I played and I, know, and I, and I feel like we're friends. I, I, I felt confident that Axel loved me and, and wanted me there. I felt that confidence. But, you know, there were so many interchangeable, everything was just moving around. So, I mean, I didn't know. I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel like, oh man, that's my gig by no means. You know I mean? I mean, I had never met Slash before. Um, I have met Duff. Duff has actually come and played with the Chinese democracy version of Guns. He, he, he sat in for Tommy Stinson for a tour. Mm, so I, I knew him and I had a good, we, we played really well together. We have the same sensibility. We come from this, we come from the same fabric. Um, he has a punk background. I have a, I have a punk rock background. So, um, but no, I mean, I, no, not seriously. I, I, and I'm telling you this and I'm, I'm telling you as honestly as I could possibly say, I didn't feel like this was thing was like, uh, until we played that first show at the Troubadour. Wow. wow. <laughs> that's amazing. That, and that's that night I was like, made wow. it. And that's how I felt inside, you know, all through rehearsals and everything, you know, because I mean, it's massive, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's massive. It's, it's everything about it. Like, Every, what was that? You ever sit there and go like, wait, 
that's me. Part of history. I, I, I know. I, 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 every single night we play, yes. That's amazing. Cool. You look down and there's Slash playing. I mean, you're looking <laughs> down and there's Slash playing there, dude. I mean, I, listen, I'm never going to get to play with, my, with, with Eric Clampton or Jimmy Page. I'm never going to get to play with, with Brian May of Queen. You know, yeah. I did get to play with Angus. I would, you know, I would have said that, but I did get to play with Angus. But I, mean, I get to play with, with, with an icon. You know, you're talking about Mount Rushmore guitar player in, in Slash. Yeah, every single night. You know, every single night. And you're part of an engine room. We were talking to Stephen Riley the other day on, on, on he, uh, last week here on, on the podcast, and he was talking about his favourite engine rooms. And it's a great question for you because you are part of one of the best, and you and Duff, the, the, the drums bass there. What's right. one of the best engine? What's your what engine room? You know, you've got the um, uh, John Paul Jones and Bonham and 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 that kind of um, setup. Oh, that's what you mean by is that what you mean by engine room? Engine room, yeah, bass and drums. The engine room of the band. You're part of one of the the greatest I, engine I rooms. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like your yeah. battery mate, I guess, like in baseball, you know, pitcher catcher. Yeah, the way sure. um, one of your favorite engine rooms that you look up to of all time. Oh, geez, I got a couple. Of, I mean, I mean. Um, John Deacon and Roger Taylor. Um, I mean, I mean, definitely, you know, as a rock drummer, it's got to be, you know, John Paul Jones and John Bottom, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way they, they, they're talking to each other. The drummer and the bass player are actually having a conversation. Yeah. It's yeah. insane. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's insane. Um, uh, who else? I mean, I mean, you're putting me on the spot a little bit right now, but uh, I mean, bon- Bonham and, and John Paul Jones is probably like, you know, Probably, sure. yeah. The pinnacle. Yeah. And, and by the way, well, the I've, I've never heard that, that term before. Me neither. Probably the last week, Frank. I never heard of it either, but I like it. Yeah, I like cool. it. Cool. <laughs> that we, we'll, we'll use that as our phrase from now on. Yeah. You got to make a t-shirt of that. Yeah. yeah there we'll, you go. Frank's Engine Room. <laughs> right. TM. That'll be the name of our restaurant in LA, Frank's Engine Room. TM. <laughs> Trademark. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Uh, can can you like kind of reminisce a little bit on that show at the Troubadour? Because I I was up late at night here in New York. Obviously it was West Coast, and obviously I wasn't going. But I'm on my phone. You know, people are periscoping, whatever, and I'm watching it, freaking out because for me, and I told you my age, I've never gotten to see Axel and Slash on stage together. And to me, I was, you know, it was awkward experiencing it through my phone for the first time, well, live. But can you kind of take us through that that night? I can describe it in one word, and I'm and I'm saying this with all due respect uh, to Kristen, <laughs> but I would say uh, orgasm. Wow, it's the only word I could use. I mean, wow. it's the only word I could use. That's uh, <laughs> I mean, how, like can, how can you dissect that? I think we all. Know. <laughs> yeah. I guess I think it's the perfect word for it. Yeah. Um, that was when Axel broke his foot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, he broke he broke his foot early in the set and played the whole show with the foot all jacked up. Right. So can you probably damage the north? Yeah. When did you notice when that happened? I didn't know. I didn't notice at all. Wow. Jumping around. I mean, watch the video. I mean, there's some videos that you can use jumping around. I didn't notice it. So I thought, when I he told you after, I thought, I thought it was swagger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll just say this real quick because uh, Frank, I'm actually I'm handicapped. I walk with a, a limp and a cane, but most oh, people think because I don't act handicapped. Right. I've gotten more than one occasion a girl thinking I'm walking with swagger. Like that's just my thing. 
So I felt I'm like, oh, when Axel broke his foot, he's walking with Kane. I was like, see? Now I'm my Kane brother. I love it. Cool, man. I yeah, it. no, I didn't notice it at all. Oh, wow. After the show. Uh, is there, I mean, there's so many to pick from. Is there a show that sticks out in your mind? Was it possibly coming home to MSG in New York and playing? MSG for sure. Even though we played MSG with the Chinese democracy version of Guns, which was great. It was a great, great night. Um, no, I was doing those uh, those three nights at the at the garden. Well, you know, you were there. I had my LJ on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, man. That's the what is that like? That's it. That's it. That's where you were a little. The credits should have rolled. Like like at the you know, at the end of the movie, the credits should roll after that. Right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> I like that. No, that's that's awesome. And see again, it's like someone from my hood living the dream, and that's just yeah. You know, my mom was there. there. My mom came. My father oh, awesome. passed away a long time ago, but my mom was there, man. You know, so it was like you know, it was an amazing treat. I mean, my whole family was there, but my mom was there. She got to see it. She's eighty eight. She got to see it. Amazing. Um, I was like, you want to come back too much? He's like, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see you, and that's it. <laughs> Does she like the music that you play? She, <laughs> does she enjoy well, it? No. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not really. Well, at least you that's can okay. prove to her that you didn't need to go to uni or anything after school. Yeah, right? Yeah, no. right? Look, Ma. <laughs> yeah, see? I made it. <laughs> Top of the world. <laughs> one of the questions i got to to ask you was what's the most you said something another interview that you are a, a groove drummer that's what you could yes, consider yourself so is what's the there's a lot of groove in gnr music but what's the most oh, yeah, challenging yeah. song that you think what's the most challenging one for you uh that's a really good question um because the because so there's three errors in guns, right? So there's the, the appetite with Steven, there's uh, the illusions with uh, Matt, and then there's the brain, Josh Freeze, Chinese democracy. And, and all, three, all three errors are really unique. It's really unique. Um, like the appetite song, and the appetite songs don't sound like the illusion songs, you know, they don't have the same feel, you know? Um, so, so the toughest part I mean, in a weird way, it's almost kind of like all of them, especially from the Sorum Adler era. Um, and what I try to do as a groove drummer is try to sit somewhere in between both drummers. So you still have a punk Rocky off the rails kind of feel, but then a nice, solid, dependable, you know, foundation like Sorum gives you. So, um, so it's kind of challenging. Now, the Chinese democracy stuff is more straight ahead. Like, the challenges I have with that is playing it more like, you know, brain played them, you know, even though I, I was able to add some stuff myself uh, later on once I joined the band. Um, uh, the toughest part is finding the right group in between those two errors, the first two errors, I think. And I think, I think um, especially with Slash and Duff in the band now, um, because it was their era, they wrote that stuff. It's their music. Um, I was, I'm able to find a nice spot where those guys are really comfortable playing the songs, but I'm also comfortable playing from my heart without being cerebral, having to think too much about the parts. So, um, I would say somewhere in between those two drummers. So it, so if, if, you take, challenging. if you take the band as it is today and you've got key members of that original lineup, obviously permanent members now of the band. And if you took that band and you put that band into a studio, uh, and I'm not asking any roundabout question, I'm just asking an overall question. If you took that band 
with three Fort Wall. Well, I mean, Dizzy's been in the band. Dizzy too. I was going about to say Dizzy too. The whole illusion yeah. era. He was there. He's been there for twenty five years or something. So if you take four long-standing members, you've been in the band now for. I mean, it's been is it twelve years? Twelve years. Uh, a long stint. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Frank. <laughs> if you fourteen years, say fourteen, two thousand six, fourteen years. So that's a long stint. So there's no real new members. So if you take that band now, put it in the studio with, and it's so good how you describe that. There is three really distinct eras of music. Um, um, what if you if you worked on a new song hypothetically? What would it sound like? Which era would it fall into? Would, would it set like? Because the last thing that Guns N' Roses put out was that Shadow That's of Your Love. Question. That's a good question. So, what, so, and that was the Shadow of Your Love was from the, the Appetite um, uh, singles. So, what would it sound like with everything uh, you've got, through, everything you've learned? I, I, I don't. I don't. I, That's a good question. I, I, I would probably say that it would be leaning more towards a punk rocky feel, up tempo punk rockier. I think that's where. I think that's where the energy is today. Yeah, right. We were, we were going out there and being really aggressive with the music, really aggressive. You know, um, I think I think it would have been more of the punk rockier earlier yeah. feel to it. I think I think I think it's kind of like everybody's come. I can't speak for the for the main guys, obviously, but it feels like maybe everything has come full circle. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Now we're now we're like almost. I mean, we are. With this collection of guys, we are a new band. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We are a new band, so 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 it would be a newer sound, but I think it would be a more aggressive punk rocky vibe. That's my personal opinion. I could be completely wrong, but but I think I think it would be more of that. You know, it's, it's, I love that question and that uh, that answer. You know what I've proved today, Brandon? Again, is that it's going to be very difficult to you to do these podcasts at all without me from now on. <laughs> Why well, say that? Because you, you you have the balls to ask certain things, and because you guys are you know buddies, and I'm just meeting him for the first time. I don't, I'm not on a first date. I'm not going to ask you what underwear you're wearing. Like I just want to, you know, I, I want to be polite. You know, first you know of all, lesson. <laughs> I reckon. I think you got to ask questions with, with a level of respect. You don't want to push things over the line. You want to ask respect. Of course. Things from people that you like. I mean, if I didn't like Frank, you might ask different questions, but I like him. So I always want to, you know, you always want to be in, 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 in on a good level with him because I've got sure. nothing better Joneses or La Famosa with. You brought up Shadow of Your Love, which was, I mean, the version that came out is my favorite version. Uh, so, was there what it went into the record? Was it just a straight recording from back in the day, or can you talk about the reason? From what I understand, it's from a session from the original record. That's what I understand. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's exactly. okay. So you didn't touch that. I mean, at all. I mean, that's a great example how how that song came back and it's a mainstay in the set, and everybody loves playing it. And I think, and again, that's what I'm saying is that maybe you know, I mean, like maybe we're all in that mindset, more aggressive kind of like feel to to. Well, it music. suits the band more. It suits that, that that vibe suits the band. It's like a it's like a cut down version of 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 it's sort of the there's no bloatedness, there's no this, it just it just is what it is. I mean, there's been a great series on TV at the moment. I don't know if you've seen well, it's there. I don't know what platform it's on there. Um, but here I just watched it. Iggy Pop just produced a great four um EP uh, four episode series called Punk. Have you seen that? 
Killer. Oh, okay. It, it was on. Um, two episodes are brilliant. Unreal. 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 It so, was on Showtime, I think, or something, right? Or Epics. It was on Epics because I remember I interviewed uh, Henry Rollins, who was featured about oh, it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's it's so good, and it and 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 so that sort of hits in line with what you're doing because I feel that that's sweet. and I can tell you from a record company perspective. Um, it, it, it does. I feel that swing. I know rock and roll is definitely coming back, but I, I feel that that swing, that punkier rock, and we were talking about this, actually Chris and I were talking about this earlier with another band, that it's almost like you get this whole lot of different bands in of that sort of genre, and it's like I, it's almost I want to start a record label and call it 16 Red because you're putting money on all this roulette, on all this, you know, blackjack or whatever it is on all these sort of different things and going, yeah, that one's going to take off. But that genre, that punkier, um, stripped down version of things is definitely coming back. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think cause it's authentic and people want to yes. hear real music again. They're tired yeah. of the overproduced bullshit. You know? And what's interesting, the, you're right. The overproduced stuff. And that's something that I always thought I, I took a Chinese democracy approach to my career. Everything always had to be perfect. My, my, my 30 second breaks on classic rock radio, I couldn't fuck up or things that I, production or even this podcast. I was worried about doing this podcast in quarantine because I'm not in a studio at iHeartRadio, but people care about if you're real. So with that, we find out a little bit about what Frank, what you're doing in quarantine, but uh, what is, if I can ask, what's the band doing in, in quarantine? Uh, are you, because obviously you, you would be on the road, or is there? Can we expect? Oh, yeah, we, we would have been at rehearsals now for the for for um, Europe. Um, now everybody's like hunkered down, taking care of themselves, and waiting, you know, waiting f- to get back. Basically, you know, um, you know, I can't really speak for the other guys, but I know everybody. We, t- we do group texts, and we all miss each other, and we can't wait to see each other. So, um, yeah, we're. I mean, How often do you guys? Uh, Group text. I mean, is it kind of like a funny group text where Slash is yeah, showing yeah, pictures yeah, like yeah, yeah. on filter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we talk about, we talk about, most of it is funny stuff, but we talk about everything. You know, we talk about a lot of serious stuff too. Um, and we, that's the way we keep, that's the way um, all of us are, are, are together, you know, in that group text. But, um, I mean, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, I, I, but I, 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 w- I would say that everybody's going through, ex- there's no difference for us than what is going on for everyone else in the whole world. So no difference. So we're all in the same, all of us, for the first time in the history of humanity, we're in the, um, you know, in the same boat. <laughs> so. I, I know, I know. And that's in a weird way because you're, talk, you're talking about silver linings. That's a weird silver lining where yeah. I... I always jokingly said I would connect people, try to create world peace through this podcast. Everyone has a Guns N' Roses. Everyone likes them to some degree. Uh, but now we're all connected in this pandemic. It's just out of control because we're all, we're all people. So it's, um, it's the organicness that comes out in the music that you play with Guns N' Roses and with your other bands that, that, that shines through. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's what I, I like talking. That's what my first question to you was like, how are you doing? Cause we're all in this, together together i mean no matter where you are in the world whether you're in la or sydney or uh you're in queens we're all in in the same place (laughs) so uh is there anything that we can expect is it just kind of like a wait and see i hate asking that from all my guests what's in in the future like what 
Or you know what? Let me let me ask I know, this. I know that Mark has some great, great ideas. Mark and Kristen have great ideas for uh, um, Pisser. So, I mean, you know, hopefully we'll be hearing a lot of Pisser music. <laughs> we're working on, another, on a third single now. Um, so we're putting together. I mean, you can't do videos at the moment, but we're working out a few things. So there'll definitely be some new music from Pisser, maybe one or two new singles, maybe something else between now and the end of the year. We were gonna we're gonna take full advantage of Frank being off the road to yeah. make and, and 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 Rob and Eric and make sure that they're um, out there pushing pushing the band because it's perfect. So there's definitely gonna be a lot of music from Pisser coming up. Yeah. Well, let me ask because I've asked this. We discussed this at length, this, especially an episode where it was just Mark, Kristen, and I about what you know bands and artists can do during this downtime. Uh, is that something that because you're you're pretty active on Instagram? Is it you know could you see yourself zooming with uh, whether it be GNR bandmates or bandmates from Pisser and putting on these shows or do, uh, do you want but to I band? Doing absolutely. I mean, the opportunity hasn't. Um, that opportunity hasn't shown up for us yet, but okay. I'm still doing. Of course, I'm not opposed to it. Of course not. Okay, because I I just think it's it's fun whether it's stuff on TV like uh you know Dave Matthews has done a bunch of stuff or just things that are live on the internet. You know, uh, you know Goldfinger I think performs a, um, I think it's Gold. I forget the name of the punk band uh, right now. It escapes me. But just like always, is very well produced but Zoom concerts. So right. it's, you know it gives us something to do while we can't. Yeah, you never, uh, never know. I mean, you never live. Know. That'd be surprises. Right. Yeah, no, that's 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 kind of the name of the game. <laughs> mystery somewhere. Well, uh, Frank, this is awesome. I, I feel like I, I've kept you longer than uh, I probably should have, but this was. Uh, well, thank this you was for awesome. having me on. That was very sweet. It's nice to meet you, and I'll see you back in in New York, yo. You, you and by the way, me. by the way, Mitchell Robinson is a keeper. They get rid of everybody else. They got to keep Mitchell Robinson. Okay. Oh, yeah, because uh, you, you said off, we should just bring it up because uh, I'm not a big basketball fan nowadays, I, but I, I, my heart is still broken for Patrick Ewing. So have you been watching the uh, – Hell the no. <laughs> no, Are you, you haven't been watching – You don't want to relive it. You, you're asking me about watching a show about only MJ and every other highlight is him dunking on a Nick? <laughs> you're out of your hell no i might be the only person in america not watching it but no way am i no way i, well, I, I you don't understand it well i mean you, yeah you're actually younger than it's a source of, mj's hurts hurts me it hurts you know you'll understand this frank i remember one of my early sports memories was crying when charles smith could not make that layup so yes, okay, okay. we well, yeah, definitely we're this is winding down big time. <laughs> okay. This is, this uh, is no, I know it. It hurt. It lit, like it. Like you know, you have great childhood memories. Those are my bad childhood memories. You understand that? I know. Like, but I mean, it, there's a lot of small part of you that remembers when the Knicks were at least good. We couldn't make it past Jordan for most, but at least they were good. They were a respectable franchise in the '90s. Now it's like. We're all just going to have to bury our heads now in the sand. Where'd you grow up, Kristen? Where'd you grow up? I'm on Long Island. Yeah. So, I mean, I have season tickets to the Knicks. Oh, wow. I had season tickets to the Knicks, the Mets. Sorry, I know you're a Yankees fan, but um, I'm a Mets fan. Yankees as well. Yankees as well. uh, I know because then Kristen said she's a Ranger fan and I'm a diehard Islander fan who are also terrible. Well, they're okay, better-ish now. No, they're the the JV team. Sorry. 
<laughs> so growing up, my father, my father, one of my father's brothers was a, a huge baseball player in the Pan American League, Cuban League, you know. And um, so the winner of that league will always play the winner of the World Series. And a lot of the times, the Cubans will play the Yankees. So my father grew up hating the Yankees. So when he moved to New York, he had I think he's, I think the Giants were still there when he was when he went. Okay. But then after they left. Um, he became a Mets fan. So I went to a lot of Mets games growing up. Yeah. Lee Mazzilli and them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just good memories going to old Shea Stadium and, you know, eat right. a hot dog that wasn't $19, you know. <laughs> well, and, and when the Mets sucked, you were able to go to a game for like three bucks. You know? <laughs> the good old days. Like the Knicks, too. When the Knicks used to suck in the 80s, yeah. you, you, would buy, you would buy the ticket, you would buy the cheapest ticket, and then you could just walk all the way down. So in the fourth quarter, you could watch the whole fourth no quarter. Be there and you sit there with your fake foam finger on and fucking <laughs> My dad went to the last game at the old Madison Square Garden. And I don't know where it is now, but he ripped off a piece of the chair because they were ripping everything wow. off. Yeah. So somewhere in my house, there's a piece of the old Madison Square Garden. That's and you know, I, I was brought up, man. I was brought up to be a big Knicks fan. And, and you, you know that I have no fucking idea what any of you. <laughs> we could talk about highlight or, or rugby. All I know, no, I'm not a big sports guy. I'm a rock and roll guy, as you know. But all I know is this: is that that last dance thing on yeah. Bulls that's out. There's a huge controversy because Luke Longley, who was the Aussie guy that was in the whole thing. He doesn't feature it at all. It's like a <laughs> out of history. And he was a Nick for, for, for a cup of coffee, Luke Long. Yes, he was. A Nick for a cup of coffee. Yes, he was. See, Frank, this is what we're, we're doing, though. We're all quarantined, and we're, we, I'm reduced to watching the Bulls beat the Knicks again because I can't see Guns N' Roses. Well, I know it hasn't been announced yet. Uh, you guys just announced, and it sucks that the European tour has been postponed. Yeah. Uh, right now, I do have tickets for July. Uh, to see you in New Jersey, I'm, I'm hoping to see because I haven't seen the Smashing Pumpkins play yet. So yeah, I'll, I'll cross my fingers. Is that, see- Is that the lineup? Smashing Pumpkins and Guns and Roses. Yeah. a couple of East Coast gigs. Oh, if I, yeah. can, if I if I can fly, which I don't, I don't reckon I'll be able to fly out of here for a year. But if I can fly, I'm with you there, Frank. Right. Awesome. Well, yeah. I, again, I, I hope to see you sooner rather than later. Whether it's yeah, in MetLife. MetLife Stadium or Arlen's Grocery, whatever, which one uh, comes first. And uh, the thing that I tabled before, it would be awesome. If you want to have five or six squares on this and bring Brain and other drummers, I mean, yeah, I would love it. My audience would love it. And uh, you know, I just hope you had a good time today or tonight. Yeah, or wherever. Thank you very much. Thank you, Frank. Thank you so much, man. All right. Talk to you later. Talk Thank to you, you Frank. Thanks, so much. Wow. Well, that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Before I get out of here, let me just thank again Mark Alexander Erber and Kristen Tully from Golden Robot Records. They've taken part of not just this episode but some recent ones. And it's nice ever since Scott left to bounce off somebody else because just like the ending of this episode, it's very weird when I talk to myself. It's very strange. I know I'm talking to you. But at the same time, there's no one I can bounce my my thoughts off of. So I appreciate when they're, you know, they're here to participate as co-hosts. And I've joked with Kristen, I'm like, you could just jump in and and tell me to shut up whenever you want. Uh, but she just loves promoting her artists and and just kind of laughing along and and being in, and just hanging out for these episodes. 
because I was like, you could you could talk more, Kristen. <laughs> but it's great. Mark asked some great, great questions. And he knows Frank better than I do. He knows the kind of questions that he uh, – that Frank may be comfortable answering because, well, that's his artist. They have built a relationship. And this was my honestly my first real conversation with Frank. We had a little powwow before the the interview got recording, and he was he's as nice off the air as he is on. And I have to admit, I think I might have some because uh, you, if you're on my gnrforum.com, we were talking about the recent interviews with Sorum and the up, this upcoming interview, and uh, whenever I have a a guns a really close Guns N' Roses guy on the show. Whether it's a current member like Dizzy or Fortis or an ex-member like Brain, uh, to ask the questions that we all want to hear about the leaks or new music. and uh, It's unfortunately a dance. It, it is unfortunately, and we're always going to kind of not get the answer that we want, right? Hey, the new album is going to be – oh, hey, there is a new album. Hey, it's going to drop on this date. It, is, is that Guns N' Roses? Has it ever been Guns N' Roses? So I think we have to understand – the band that we're dealing with and the band that we love and appreciate, and many of you do, most of you do, when these guys come on and girls and we get to just meet them as people. That's always my goal here is to get them to meet them as as people. Uh, that's more important to me than finding out uh, critical information, however you define critical in the Guns N' Roses world. And honestly, to make the interview uh, interviewee laugh. So I've made Frank laugh, and that's kind of that's that's my goal. Uh, but thanks again to Mark and Kristen for taking part, and Frank was awesome, and I hope that happens. I mean, wow, can you imagine Frank and Brain on the same episode? Holy shit! <laughs> so I have no idea what's to come for future episodes. Uh, well, I can tell you this: uh, Mike Peters from the Alarm. He, he I don't know if he's going to be the exact next guest, but he could be. He's coming out very shortly, so that's going to be that's going to be fun. He had. He's worked with, uh, I think, Matt Sorum. He had a one-off supergroup with Duff and, of course, you know, The Alarm, a legendary uh, new wave band. So that's going to be a fun episode. But as far as everything else, I mean, I, I if you told me a week ago would I have a Zoom interview with Frank from, from GNR, Ferrer? Um, no, I would, have, I, I would have said I have no idea. So I have no idea what is to come. That's the best way. Uh, to put it, and the best way to find out well, along with me is to follow on social media, facebook.com slash the AFD show, Twitter at the AFD show, uh, Instagram, Appetite for Distortion, however you listen on your podcasts. Uh, you can always leave comments, and, and please leave reviews. Let people know about this podcast. Okay? Tell I mean, we're all stuck at home, and it's interesting how podcasting is thriving during this quarantine and I thank all of you for helping me continue to stay uh to fight off cabin fever by doing this this little this little shoe here. So until next time, um when will you see the next episode? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Security, I'm going home.